From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us here on the Car Debate. You guys are awesome in the way that you're sharing this and you're putting comments on the iTunes page and I think you're putting comments on Stitcher as well. Anywhere you comment and review, that is helping us grow. It's helping other people find us. A lot of you are writing in. Thank you for writing in. I mean, we're definitely able to tell that you guys are liking this format and it's working for you, so we're thrilled about that. So we're back with two more car debates this evening. We've got Ben writing to us from Massachusetts. He is, uh, what is he doing? He's commuting back and forth to Boston now. and he He's wants driving to around Boston. Yeah. yeah, just driving around Boston for fun, which <laughs> I've heard he is does. a riot. I've heard that that's a riot <laughs> it, if you're a driver. That driving we should go try Boston that sometime thing and, you've, and shoot you've it. always wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. That could be an incredibly boring video. <laughs> Welcome to traffic. Anyway, so he's driving around Boston. He's, he wants to replace his old A4. And then we also got Mike writing yep. to us from Wales. That's really cool. Thanks for writing to us from Wales, Mike. Look forward to talking about Wales. your options as well, though we don't know that market as well as we could. But we will get right. to that as well. Well, the cool thing about cars is that it always seems like there's stuff to talk about. There's always new things to talk about. So before we get into the car debates, we want to talk a little bit about a show that just happened in the United States. That is SEMA, Special Equipment Manufacturers Association. They are in uh, Las Vegas for the week. And this is, if you listen to last week's podcast, this is everything you can screw, glue, tape, or (laughs) balance on top of a car. This is accessories, it's wheels, it's crazy stuff. I think some of these cars are almost done on a dare. I mean, you know, like they had, they, <laughs> they had like a, they had a, seriously, they had a Scion XB there this week that looked like, let's see if we can make it the worst 70s van you can think of yeah, and put I it on a Scion that. XB. It's like, did, was somebody high when they had that idea? I, Clearly. It, it's, Clearly. It's unbelievable to me, some of the stuff that comes out of SEMA. Well, but so there was, I, there were a couple show. interesting cars out of there that just made me kind of go, what's, what's going on here? Well, yeah, at this show, this is where all the small car manufacturers come out of the woodwork. And uh, notably, Panos, a little story Mm -hmm. about Panos cars for you, but also Local Motors, which we mentioned last week's podcast, and something that we were just sent, and that was the Bauer Limited, and their track car is called the Catfish. This is a small boutique manufacturer out of Southern California, and they make this Catfish, which I think is a cool-looking car, and I want to talk about that. But uh, looks this kind of like, looks kind of like the BMW uh, Z4. A little. Yeah, it not does. the Z4. What, what was that? What was that? Uh, uh, you'll know this. The uh, concept car that BMW did a while back that was a, a material mm-hmm. exoskeleton. Yeah, it has a little bit of that look about it, which which is kind of it's polarizing. I actually think it's decent looking, but it's make a tubular frame track car on the bones of an old Miata, which is let's be honest, those are around everywhere. Yeah, that BMW show car was called the Gina. And That's it right. was That's really right. intriguing because it was stretched fabric over a tube frame. Mm-hmm. And so the headlights could split apart and, and reveal the, the headlights or it could, you know, open the hood for the engine. So it, it was really intriguing. I love the concept. And it does yeah, very bizarre, sort of but cool. have those uh, have that flavor. Um, so, yeah, I was looking I was poking around the website. It looks really cool. I'm yeah. really intrigued. And for fourteen thousand dollars. 
Of course, you've got to put your own engine in it, you know, but it's got to be something small and turbocharged or supercharged. Well, you got, I mean, you've got to have fun. a donor car. You've got to essentially take the, the uh, Miata donor car. Mm-hmm. And thank yeah. you for, for sending that in to us. Those of you that did, thank you for sending that in to us. We really do appreciate yeah, right, it. Yeah, right, right. Because uh, here we are talking about it already. But but I know where you're going. You're talking about the difference between, and I, at least I feel like this is the difference. You're talking about the difference between a, hey, let's get a dedicated track car and spend some money on, let's let's be candid, a toy versus right. the the Panos guys are in the same category as like the Roush guys and the Callaway guys where they make a product based on somebody else's product and it is wickedly expensive. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know. I I uh know a little bit about the Panos family. I worked for Ford back in the late 90s and worked in the design studio there and Danny Panos came through the studio because he was working with Ford to secure rights and all the A-pillar and that kind of stuff for the Panos that was really coming out then. It was 98, mm-hmm. right around that time. By the way, his dad, Don, invented the Smoker's Patch. So that family has gobs of money. Uh, they, also, they also own Road Atlanta, and uh, they've got plenty of money. But... Uh, Danny came through, super nice guy, was meeting everybody, and the reason he was taking that entire windshield pillar and, and a, fr- um, a pillar and the firewall was because it's been crash tested by Ford already, and therefore mm-hmm. they could make mm-hmm. this boutique car without having to go through the government regulations of doing their own crash testing. Yeah, that's a key thing that, Which that was you may not know, and, and, and it relates to a lot of cars. I mean, another one that strikes me right now is the... Uh, it kind of relates to this, is the Venom, the Hennessy Venom. I mean, uh-huh. the reason that is essentially yeah. a stretched Lotus Elise is because it theoretically has already passed crash testing, which with the Elise, which was an exception, I'm not sure how that works, but it's already passed crash testing. If you take the firewall forward, then you can actually kind of get around. It's kind of loopholes, for lack of a better way to put it. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at this Panos, and the original design came out in, like I said, late 90s. I had a classmate that worked on the front-end refresh, and he made it actually look better. I've never been a fan of this car, but the concept is interesting. The problem is the price. Mm-hmm. The Panos mm-hmm. that Definitely. was revealed at SEMA is the same car from years ago. It's slightly spiced up with some carbon fiber. The interior's kind of boring, and it's $200,000. For yeah, that's more of powerful. Money, it's like it's like five hundred thousand. Uh, pardon me. It's like five hundred horsepower. But the, but the the problem so? I have again the, the the exactly the Callaway Corvettes in this category, and and any of these boutique manufacturers. I, the question that I ask is, okay, don't you if, if you're a buyer, aren't you absolutely comparing what else you can get for that money? And at that point, doesn't that car lose? Absolutely. I mean, for me, it does. For two hundred k. It's an old-looking design. It's trying mm-hmm. to spice back up and, you know, bits and trim and more horsepower, and who cares? It's, it needs to be a fresh new thinking and fresh new take on stuff. They're, I don't know what they're trying to do, but Panos kind of went off the radar, and now they're trying to come back, and I'm just well, not getting it's, it. It's, For that kind of money, that buy money, yourself an that, Audi R8 and a down payment on a house. The well, or, or buy yourself a completely loaded, brand new, just has the latest technology, uh, 911 Turbo S. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. You know, which which will probably, I mean, you know, I forget what magazine it was that got bored trying to break it on launches. They did so many launches. Yeah. They, they were getting sick <laughs> and bored of doing it before the car was suggesting that it might actually break. I mean, so if you've got $200,000 in your pocket, that, that, you know, let's let's do that. Or, or, you know what, get yourself a slightly used McLaren. I mean, there's a quasi-boutique sure. manufacturer as well. But it's probably going to be a lot more interesting and reliable. I, I think. I mean, look. I will be. I will applaud anybody that does this because trying to make any kind of car is remarkably difficult. In oh, spite yeah. of the fact yeah, that yeah. that Paul and I drive them all and critique them like we could do better, the truth of it is, it's incredibly difficult. There's but, a lot that goes into it. A lot. I mean, at, at least in the case of like the Hennessy Venom, it's at least a bragging rights car. I think you get some it people is. that buy into that because they're just going to say, I have this car that is the fastest, craziest thing. It's the middle ground cars that I don't know where you put. Sure. Like the Panos like of the, the world. Panos. It, 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 can't, it can't brag to be the most attractive. It can't brag to be the most powerful. It can't brag to be the fastest. It's just an alternative. And an alternative from a boutique manufacturer at money you could get something established. I don't know how that business model works. I don't get it. Well, speaking of home-built cars out of kind of a garage that are blindingly expensive. If you're doing that, like the the uh, Hennessy Venom, you might as well fly to Italy and get yourself a Pagani Huayra. I mean, well, yeah. oh, it's and, like and, family and building your car. There are you know, <laughs> eight people weaving your carbon fiber in the threads that you personally selected out of yeah, kind point. of a room that looks like a garage and their fair family. Point. It's fantastic. Yeah, at, at, least, at least there, though, I feel like you know, you're getting something that was hand built in a good way, and there's there's some thea- <laughs> there's some theater about it. Granted, oh, yeah. none of this is money I have. I, I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> afford like a seat from the Pagani guys. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know. The the boutique thing is so hard, and I I I always find it fascinating when somebody shows up with a car that is out of the clear blue nowhere, and they go, this is many, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars it'll cost you, and I'm thinking, for who? I mean, it's got to be for the chic with 50 cars and wants to say he owns one of everything. That's got to be it what is. it's for. And, and those guys are even going to Ferrari and creating cu- custom one-offs that nobody else can yeah. afford. I mean, yeah, they're you know, who cares at that point? But, you know, yeah. there's always fun stuff to, to talk about, and there's always crazy new cars that we see, but we should move on to the car debates, getting back to yeah, definitely. real cars for most people. <laughs> and our, <laughs> What are you saying? You saying this doesn't relate? Anyway, well, kind of. Yeah, we like to let's, recommend let's, him sometimes. Let's talk about let's talk about Ben in, in Massachusetts. I appreciated the fact that he wrote in. He's uh, he's fresh out of undergrad and uh, he's got an old an O one. You'll appreciate this, Paul. O one Audi A four Turbo. Oh yeah, the B five Turbo. Those are he good just looking. he just wants to upgrade. Sure. But he's his requirement is he wants performance and he does want all wheel drive. So that really, if, if you're stuck with all wheel drive. Honestly, Ben, you've, you've cornered us in a lot of our options, uh, but you do have a little bit of money to spend. You got up to about twenty-five grand to spend, so we're in an interesting world here. And you threw out some stuff already, Ben, that, that's got me kind of curious about where we might run with this. But okay, replacing the old A4, Paul, what's on your brain? Well, there was something, Ben, that you wrote to us that really caught my eye, and that was first of all about the certified pre-owned buying used versus. Uh, you know, buying off the dealer lot as a certified pre-owned or buying from a private yeah, yeah, owner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel personally, I've bought all my cars from private owners. The Cayman that I have, I even flew to Oklahoma. We've told this story before. Todd and I flew to Oklahoma, bought it sight unseen. I'd asked the owners all kinds of questions, but drove it back to uh, California and it's been great. 
I would look don't, for. By the way, don't let don't let Paul fool you here. Sight unseen uh, for Paul's it, description is just the fact he hadn't driven the car for fifty miles before he showed up with money. I, I, I don't think any private uh, seller in the history of the world has provided more detailed photographs to Paul than this guy because Paul kept going. I need a picture of this. I need to see yeah. a copy of the record for this. So he had, even though he hadn't seen the car, he could almost have built it out of photographs before we went. So let's just clarify. Let's clarify how <laughs> much information actually existed on this car. And, and, and don't get me wrong, man. That was a huge purchase. It's been a great car. You did it right. Yeah. But but that is that is actually not the definition of sight unseen. <laughs> True. It's not for everybody. I worked that guy hard. He was really happy to see me drive away, check in hand. But at the same time, but at the same time, he was able to realize very early on because of the show, because of your knowledge, he was aware very early on you were serious yeah. and you were the kind of guy yeah. that the car was going to go to and you were going to appreciate it. So I think that's one of the reasons he stuck sure. with you on it. Sure. Uh, ben, I I come back to uh, buying from a private owner because. If you do your due diligence, you know, if they've got all their service records, if they've driven the car but taken care of it, I think that's a better bet. And you can usually, on a personal level, work people down to a better negotiation than a dealer that says, okay, we've got this certified pre-owned. They have now standards that the car meets. They've, they've got checklists. Okay, it does. It, it's met all these standards, and therefore it can command this price, which leaves you less room for negotiation, even though you know it's going to be a, a good car. But a 40,000-mile Mercedes CPO versus a privately-owned Mercedes with the same mileage, there's not going to be that much difference if both cars were well taken care of. I mean, there's yeah, wild cars for everything. it comes down to the service. Across the board, if, if somebody's taken good care of it, met uh, regular maintenance schedules, kept all the records, I say why not go by used because there's even better deals to be found in person, used. You get to drive it without the pressure of the, the dealer experience and that... Yeah. Uh, CPO thing hanging over your head. Now, I get the warranty side of the equation. I do sure. understand that because it does come with the warranty at that point. If that is something that you want, then go CPO because that is a, you know, that's a good feeling that a lot of people want to have. But for a yeah, new I car, most modern new cars, you're going to be fine, really. Yeah, I think the CPO it's it's a it's kind of a, a mental insurance policy. It kind of kind of relieves a little bit of the stress level of the unknown. Yeah. But I also but as Paul's saying, I think it also comes down to who are you buying from? And if right. you get to know the owner and the owner is forthcoming with record I mean, if they're gonna hand you their service records when you buy the car and you can see from looking at the service records prior, you can see that this you know, this car's really been well taken care of. You have to take a car when you're buying it used you have to take a car to some sort of mechanic and have them put it up. I mean, pretty much any mechanic can do it for like 60 bucks and just put it up and have them do the potential buyer check of the car so you don't have any surprises. You should do all of that. And then actually, yeah, I'm with Paul on this. CPO is nice, but CPO is not required by any means. Yeah. Um, I, if you can find a good, a good price, you know, good car, I think you're just going to be fine. And uh, coming back to your request here. You've got us into German cars and all-wheel drive German cars, which narrows yeah. the equation even further. Yeah, exactly. This I is, had, uh, this is uh, suddenly hyper-focused. It is. Ben, I had a 2004 Audi A4 Ultrasport. It was an Avant, actually, which I love. So that, that was the B6 generation, just one generation newer than yours. I loved mm -hmm. that car, all-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. It was a great car. Sold it to a friend whose Infiniti took a giant flying leap and uh, he said Paul I always love how you take care of your cars ever consider selling the Audi and I thought 
Paul, Our, Paul is you? better. Okay. By, by the way, if, if CPO should stand for certified Paul owned, <laughs> and if you find one of those cars, that is a gold mine. That is the best taken care of car anyone is selling. You're too funny. That's that's really true, funny. man. Like certified that. Paul owned is a whole other category. But go on. I like that. Well, that doesn't mean I don't drive them a lot and hard. I just take care of them as well. So anyway, yes. I. Yes. Um, I do love the A4s. I hear you. It's tough to spend your money on just getting a newer A4 that just seems kind of obvious and maybe a little boring. So I've got two choices for you. One is one you've already listed, and that is the GTI. We have driven the B, the 5th, 6th, and 7th generations of that GTI. We love it. By the way, that uh, 2004 Golf R32, that'll be about 10 or 11 years old now, but that was all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. If you could find one of those in low mileage, that'll be a great car. Lots of fun. Interesting car. I mean, I, that's the thing. If we're going to stay all-wheel drive, you can't just go GTI. You've got to go Golf R or R32. Right. right. And, you know, the the R32 generations where they've got that V6 up front, their their balance is a little bit different because, of course, they've got a heavier engine up front. And then, of yeah. course, you've probably watched our Golf R review. This is the prior generation Golf R, not the one about to come out. And that one was impressive and a a better GTI with all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite compete with the STIs and Evos of the world, which is where it was aimed. So I felt like it kind of fell a little short of that target. It doesn't mean it wasn't an impressive car, and I think used it would be a good value. New, I felt like it was too expensive. Yeah. But I think the Golf R could be worthwhile. I'm excited to drive the new Golf R. I think that one's really come to play with the STIs of the world but and, and probably is worth the money. But we haven't been in it yet, so it's hard to speak to that so far. But, yeah, if you're going to stay all-wheel drive, you have to be in that Golf R or R32 world. And I think if your expectations are correct, here's the thing. Coming out of that A4, though, you found yourself in a Golf R. You would find the, the interior. And I'm talking about the, the, uh, the Mark VI generation Golf R. You'd find the interior of it to be great. And you'd probably find that car to feel remarkably chuckable coming out of an A4. I bet you it would feel yeah. fast and really chuckable and fun. I think that's a good option. I really do. It'd be a familiar environment. You know, it's that solid German build quality, the same switch mm-hmm. gear, all of that stuff. It's the Volkswagen Audi group, so you'll be really familiar, but it'll be something different. It's not as frantic as Todd mentioned, the STI and the Focus uh, Focus STs. It's definitely not as frantic as those cars yeah. are, yeah. but okay, that's fine. It's still a brilliant, fun car to drive. And I think that could be a really good option for you, mainly because it's newer. Now, I do have a crazy wild card. It is not perfect. I think okay. it's I think it's a really cool car. There are some problems with the, this equation, but if you shop right, and I kind of think I found one in your zip code, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the Volkswagen Phaeton on your list, and years ago, Todd and I were were talking to each other like, "Look at this car. The price has plummeted." Look what you can get for thirty grand! This you know crazy yeah. luxurious. It's yeah. got everything yeah, yeah. on it, and so I thought, Volkswagen Phaeton, huh? You know what I've always loved is the two thousand one to two thousand three Audi S eight. It's not the mm. most distinctive mm. in terms of styling, but it's a sleeper, and I've always loved this car. Yeah. Now. Yeah. People on the internet say it's like sitting in a Learjet. They love it. They have very few problems with it. Of course, any maintenance on any car is going to be expensive, and an older one like that, okay. But I found for fifteen grand, I found one near you with sixty-two thousand miles on it. And wow, that is a find. The problem is, it's an older car, so there's going to be some maintenance involved. 
The good news yeah. is it's on the lower end of your price bracket, so you might be able True. to say, okay, I'm going to put some money aside just for any major repairs in the future. Got that covered. Other problem is like the, the navigation, the built-in navigation will be awful in comparison to anything modern. It'll, it's just, it'll be, be Atari, yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> be, I had in television, but, you know, same thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> it'll be awful in that car, but wow, what an engine. It's all aluminum, so it's lighter, all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. German, it's distinctive, and they're hard to find because all the owners of those cars love them. They just don't come on sale very often. Yeah, that's my crazy wild card for you, Ben. I think it's interesting you went there because yeah, uh, Ben's listed for us a few that were his kind of wild cards. He said uh, older S four. He said the uh, the five series with X drive. He listed the Phaeton. I love that you listed the Phaeton, Ben, because yeah, that, that is, is so a cool. forgotten car and it's a unique car. And here's the thing: that's you're you're clearly not shopping for a car that is going to be a canyon runner. You're shopping for a nice executive yeah. commute car. If you had a Phaeton. I think rolling in a Phaeton has got some real <laughs> some real <laughs> boldness to it. I love it because it's a car nobody knows what they are. One of my favorite Phaetons I ever saw, this is going to sound weird, one of my favorite Phaetons I ever saw, if I owned one, and I've thought about it, honestly, if I owned one, I'd do this. Somebody had bought one in L.A., and they took the badges off, and they mm. put on the back, underneath the Volkswagen logo, they put Jetta XL in the Volkswagen oh, that's font. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. I was like... <laughs> I, I, honestly, it was one of those things where I almost wanted to follow the guy so that when he parked, I could shake his hand. I was like, you are that's, a badass, sir. That's cool. A Jetta XL. Because those things, they are the bigger, better Audi A8. They are. And, I mean, you know, it's were... not gonna, it, nothing about it, nothing about it is going to be a sports car. But if you want to ride high, you just want to you want to throw down. That's well, a balling <laughs> car. It, it is. It's a balling car. It totally so I think is. the Phaeton is an interesting thought, and of course that brings Paul to the S8, and then of course I go A8. You could get into a sure. much more recent standard A8. The thing about all these high-end executive cars, they're typically bought brand new as a show-off car by some executive, and then two years later they dump them. Well, nobody buys them used, so they just right. all of them. The A8s, they the, fall the, off uh, the S classes. There, there's there's nothing left in value. Yeah. Yes, you're buying an expensive car for maintenance, but you can get it for a song. So if you are seriously considering a big sedan, why not look at the Phaeton? Why not look at a used A8? I say if you're going to go big, <laughs> go big and be a baller about it. I think that's awesome. Seriously, Ben, that car is built on the same assembly line in Dresden, Germany as the Bentley Continental. It And that W12 is the same engine. As the Bentley, yeah, but don't get the twelve. Don't get the don't don't I'm go not that saying, far. I'm not that, saying get yeah. the twelve, but just it's just that good feeling. Like, all right, built yeah, yeah, on yeah. the same assembly line as Bentleys. If it's good enough yeah. for Bentley, hey, good enough for me. Yeah, so you can get the eight. You can get the awesome. eight. It's it's actually quasi affordable, which is crazy to think <laughs> yeah. about. And but you could find an, an A8 that's up probably in your price range of twenty five grand as well. You could find one of those. You mentioned older S4. I think that's a worthwhile option if you want to get something more chuckable. That V8 in that car is fun. It is. Uh, it's a gas so hog, but it's there. fun. It is, yes, it is a gas hog. But uh, but I mean, come on, we're talking compared to the Phaeton, it's probably going to be a wash. True. But anyway, true. Um, and but here I will I'm suggesting one, the S8. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. We, we are not recommending uh, efficient automobiles, uh, but we I are thinking? recommending things. We are recommending things, with the exception of the Golf R. The, 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 that's a little more normal. But we are recommending things that you can get into. I cannot believe I own this car for your budget. That'll be the coolest thing about what, where you're yeah. shopping and the kind of things you're shopping. I want to speak to two others. You brought up the C-Class, the prior C-Class mm-hmm. Mercedes. Honestly, Ben, I think that car is fine. I just, I, I never, 
with the exception of the C63 AMG, which is just, it's a laugh riot because of the engine overpowers the tires, leaving stop signs. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a riot. Invest tires if you own that car. Exactly. Seriously. That, that car is about the, the, the engine, the noise, and the seats. But the rest of it is a C-Class from the prior generation, and I, I have to be honest with you, that was a car, All anytime I got in one, I wanted more than it provided. If it speaks to you, okay. It's not a bad car. They've been, I think, fairly reliable overall. You can get deals on them. I just, that car, I never found as compelling as it should be, considering the badge and the reputation of that car. Yeah, I agree with you there. I Like I keep saying, I am back on board with the Mercedes bandwagon, but not until the the new models. And that does not include the, the prior generation that you're talking about, Ben. That's the 2012, 2013 mm-hmm. C-Class. It's just okay. As Todd said, it, it kind of left me wanting. I was just really, I mean, because it feels like a German Lexus, which is unfortunate at, at that point. It didn't yeah. have that character yeah. and that flavor. And and then we just recently drove the brand new C-Class, the 2015. That is a gigantic celestial leap in terms of performance yeah, I mean, and build well, but quality it's, it's, and material. It's still, not a, it's still not a performance car. No, it's not a performance car. But at car. the same time, it, that car does have, and I'll go, go with you on this, that car has the specialness. I know that sounds weird, yeah. but it has the specialness that I would hope for when it's, hey, look, I got a Mercedes. I mean, you, right. get in the Beamer, you get in the Beamer and you want to say, hey, this feels like a driver's car and it feels, it feels important and special in that regard. You get in the Mercedes and you want it to just feel luxurious and kind of an event that's yeah. their reputation. And yeah. the prior C-Class didn't do that for me. The new C-Class, still not a performance car, but it has that specialness that I hoped for in the prior version. So take that as you will. I'm going to throw out one complete wild card. Okay. It's from, I'm coming from the weeds. I don't exactly think Ben's going to go for this, but I just thought all-wheel drive sedan, you can get it affordable, Cadillac CTS-4. Huh. Are they in the price range it's, is my question. Used, yeah, you could get there. You could get there. Twenty-five grand. I, I, I'm certain you could find one. It's obviously completely different. It's not German. It doesn't have it German build quality. Is. It doesn't have German feel. But it is a really solid car. <laughs> so I, I, I almost feel like go drive it just for, if nothing else, go drive it for the experience and the touch point in your in your car ownership experience to go. Do I like this? What do I like and not like about it? Just to step away from the Germans for a minute and try something different in the same class, I think you've got to at least go drive a CTS-4. I agree with you for the, if you can find one with the magnetic ride control, you've got to try that just for the dynamics alone. But uh, Ben is fresh out of undergrad at Babson College, and I think his friends might say, hey, is that your dad's car? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know. I think that would be I, the I, I biggest it, problem with it. But drive it for well, comparison's think, sake, like Todd is saying. But but honestly, if, if you're fresh <laughs> out of college and you roll up in a Phaeton, that may as well be Dad's car too. But you're a baller maybe, now. Maybe maybe you I'm might be more of a you, drug dealer I, at that point. There you go. I I love the sense of the <laughs> young fresh out of college executive that rolls up in a Phaeton. I think that I love is that so too. awesome. I can't even tell you how cool I think that is. But anyway, so Ben, I I hope some of that was helpful for you. We should probably move on to our friend Mike writing to us from Wales. I want to take a tangent real quick. Here's a random random reality. I grew up in England. Yes, you did. I have a natural kind of just warm place in my heart for England. From when Mm. I was three and a half to when I was was 10, I was growing up in Surrey. I lived in Weybridge. Okay, so I, anything about England just has this natural good place in my heart because all of my genuine childhood memories 
are all living in England. I love so, that you know that area, and and you went back just a well, few years ago, didn't you? On uh, yeah, 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 yeah. A, a while back, I, I actually I was I was I was there on a business trip a while back, and uh, I had a half a day, and so I went down to Waterloo, and I just I jumped on the train headed for Woking, and got off in Weybridge, and I have a very strange uh, visual <laughs> memory and sense of direction, uh, great visual memory, and it's, so I literally it's got creepy off. sometimes. Uh, I, it had been it had been more than twenty years when I did this. I got off the train at, in Weybridge and literally went, oh. I go that way, and I walked to my old house, which was two or three miles from the train station, and had just this amazing flood of memories. So I just, I've got such a, such a great experience personally with England, and so I'm thrilled that we have UK listeners and UK viewers. So Mike, thank you for writing to us. I will yes, also then give this caveat, though. I don't know your market very well. I, I can't really speak to I mean, you've got cars in your market that we don't have here and have not driven, so I will fully acknowledge that right away. And I'm not very good with used prices in your area either because we just don't have that experience. We'll do our best here. You've got a great list of requirements, and you've thought this through well, so thank you for your email. So we'll I'll dive in and, and muddle through. <laughs> For Europe and South America, all you have to do is add French cars, and you're done. Those are the cars that we don't get here. So <laughs> Well, but what's just funny add is add French cars. <laughs> Same as the U.S., just add French cars. That's terrible. Just add French but, cars but, and you're done. But Mike, but Mike also has called out that he will not own another French car. And I think that's funny Which after a couple funny, of different yeah. podcasts that you've just kind of loved on him. He has said that he's had two, and he now has sworn <laughs> off of all French automobiles. So those are off the table. So what you're basically saying now, Paul, is except, except for the fact that it's pounds instead of dollars, we're looking at our own market. Is that what you're trying to say? Pretty much. Just forget all the French cars, and we're just looking at the same thing, except for the car that you currently drive, Mike, and that is the Seat Leon FR, which, by the way, that was my rental car uh, when I went to Germany back in April. Um, I did take that with a friend on the Autobahn, and we did drive all the way down to the Nürburgring and hammered around the ring on snow tires in that car. So it's sort of like the, a detuned GTI. It was great. The snow tires it. part of that story is my favorite part. The fact that not <laughs> only that you've got a, the rental on the Nürburgring, because not a lot of people do it, but the fact that you've got this, this underpowered rental on the Nürburgring on snow <laughs> tires is my favorite part of that story. But anyway, go We're on. We're squealing around turns. By the way, the uh, camera ban on the Nürburgring has been lifted. Um, I don't know what's going to happen now that it has also changed hands again, and I think a Russian billionaire bought it. But anyway, you can have GoPros and cameras festoon all over your car again now. So how how um, how did they stop that before? I mean, because people have had GoPro were, footage in their cars forever. Well, what you do is <laughs> that's what I did. Um, you roll up to the gate and you swipe your card. You just have all the GoPros kind of put away in the glove box and that kind of thing because they're looking in your car. And then when uh -huh. you start to roll down the track, you you know, if you have a passenger, you just grab everything and suction it to the window and you, you're off and Seriously. Running. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I think I they kind like, of figured everybody was doing it anyway. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, it's, it's, it's almost as prolific as Russian dash cam videos are, you know, yes, GoPros from the Nürburgring. I mean, clearly people are doing it. I don't know who's supposed to be policing this, but they should be fired <laughs> if that's their job. But anyway. All um, right. So, Mike, uh, your car history. Yeah, You've had two French cars and you don't want any more French cars. Because apparently the French don't bother with electrics, and you've had electrical <laughs> issues, so those are off the table. Uh, Audi TT, which I'm wondering why you got rid of that car, because that is a great, fun car. Yeah, uh, but reliability on that is so mixed. But anyway, go on. It, it is. Uh, I currently drive the Seat, which is a cool car, but I can see, all right, you're wanting more from it. Uh, looks like you've got the diesel version there, and also the Renault Megane. So, um, 
You're looking oh, for right. four seats. You've got to have a hatch because you have a dog, and when that dog's not around, you have golf clubs. I'm assuming it's one or the other there. I don't think you take the dog golfing. I'm guessing, but well, maybe. yeah. So it's got to have room. Possibly, may, may, hey, maybe the dog shoots under par. I don't know, but I mean, so you he is near Scotland, so <laughs> you've got to have, have room for, for the dog, room for golf carts. Uh, golf clubs, you, you, you'd theoretically like to have decent MPG because wouldn't we all? But now you're getting to the point that matters. You want it to be fun. You'd prefer manual, but you'd take auto, and you'd like halfway decent power. So we're talking 250 horsepower or so is something you'd like. And it needs to at least survive a little bit of winter beating on. And I'm just going to say to you right now, tires. I'm, gonna, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I'm we like should the do great ambassador tire of tires. We should we do should. an all-tire episode and see if there are four people that would actually like to listen to me go on about <laughs> tires, right. because it right. might be four people. But anyway, um, Mike, so it let's, is not often let's dive in here. that I try to nail it, that I try Uh-oh. to call it in, uh, you know, if you're familiar with baseball, if you're at the plate and you point to the outfield, that means you're pretty much stating to the world that you're going to hit a home run. It's not often that this happens, but I believe you're gonna, I've got the solution. You're going you're gonna to do a sniper shot again. All right. I think I'm, I am. I'm very curious because I am not at all, so go I've, for it. I've read through, it. through the list. You're, uh, it's got to be fun to drive. Consider an auto, but you want a manual. Car should be quick, but um, something decent in the uh, acceleration. Winter, as Todd mentioned, it is not French. And uh, <laughs> the price, you're willing to spend around 30,000 pounds, but prefer to spend around 25. So I'm taking that as a range, 25 to 25,000 yep. to 30,000 yep. pounds in there. This is brand new. It's actually a car I've eyeballed myself. It just came out. It uh, is, you probably know it. I think it, I do. Go on. It's the Mercedes-Benz GLA. Mm-hmm. We drove the CLA, which is the sedan, just recently. If you haven't watched that video, go watch it. It, uh, I think the engine in America is not the same turbocharged one, or maybe it makes a little more power in Europe, but you can get the diesel with the stick shift in the UK. I logged onto the Mercedes site here. You can get that if you want the stick, or you can go for the turbocharged four, and that's, uh, mm, that comes with mm, the automatic. Mm. It seats four you. people. It's a hatch. It'll take your golf clubs and your dog. It'll get good gas mileage. It, you can get it yeah. an all-wheel drive, so it should han- handle the winter. And on the road price, it says on the website twenty-five thousand pounds. So if you load it up, I a have bit, to say, out the door for thirty. Is- that is one hell of a good sniper shot. I mean, it's well, going to have a little you. bit higher ride height than the CLA. It's also a lot more usable car than the CLA because yes. of the, the form factor. This is a great-looking little five-seat CUV SUV thing. It's actually great-looking. I have to say that. And I am not the Mercedes fan of the two of us, but I'm. I, this is an impressive car. I, that is, buddy, I, I'm <laughs> applauding. I'm that trying. That is quite Thank a sniper you. shot. Thank you. I, I don't think I'm going to do that well, but I think the GLA for Mike is a great recommendation. I want to speak to a few of the ones he brought up. He asked about the 1 Series. I, I just think the 1 Series, for what you're asking for, is little. I just don't think it it's is. big enough. Although um, it is the 135. That's a that's a step below that uh, 1M. Yeah, I know. It's going to have a decent engine. It's going to have decent power. I'm just thinking about from usable space factor. Yeah, true. That's why I think true. it's little. I mean, I think that that one series always had kind of a little bit too high center of gravity. Granted, we just recommended a GLA. I don't think center of gravity is the number one issue. <laughs> right. But, well, uh, and, and, the GL, and the GLA is not, don't, don't get me wrong, I don't want to downspeak the GLA in that regard. I mean, but it's it does have a slightly higher ride height. So, but yeah, the one series I always felt like had a kind of a higher tip point center of gravity. Um, and it is a small car. I think it's smaller than the other stuff you're talking about. You said uh, you you definitely want the hatches. Here's the thing: Europe gets all kinds of great hatches we don't get. No kidding. So I think you, you, Amen you to that. All, 
But I was reading your list, and I thought of one brand, and you mentioned it in passing, kind of, Mike, and that is Volvo. The V40 you've mentioned here, I think you should look at the V60 as well. Now, these are not overly powerful cars. They're on the bottom end of what you're asking for for power. That's the only place where I think it might fall a little bit short. But the styling right now of Volvos is good. You can get them as a manual, which is really cool. They're not incredibly fun to drive, but they've got a little bit of character about them. They're 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 okay. You know, they're not mm-hmm. wow, this is a fun car, but they sure. are, they're okay. You can get six speeds. I actually think Volvo is unsung when it comes to interiors. I think in general their interiors are better to be in than you ever expect. Yeah. So every I time we hop in v- one, we, we look at each other going, "This is Volvo." Oh yeah, I forgot how neat these are. Yeah, and they and they do honestly, they do some of the best seats in the business. That's the other thing about yeah. Volvo that most yeah. people don't realize. Volvo seats are awesome. They really so, are. I think the V40 is a worthwhile thing, but I almost wonder V60, just to get a little more powerful and a little larger. You aren't going to be able to get a loaded V60 at your price point, but you can get into one of the middle ones with, with decent power that's that's up closer to your 250 uh, request there. And then my wild card is this. All right. And it is a wild card. I'm curious. Used Mazda Speed 3. Decent Mazda tires on that. Huh. They they hold and they don't call it Mazda Speed in in Britain. It's like the MPS or something. I'm going to get that wrong, but but they have another designation for it in in Britain. But the huh. Mazda Speed Three, uh, I know lots of people that have put you know winter tires on that, and it can actually be a really stout, good bad weather car. You've got some torque steer if you really put your foot in it, but it is a performance car. It's a fun performance car with a decent interior if you get the late models. That's a good recommendation. I, wish, I like that. I wish, they had, I wish they had the Mazda Speed version of the new 3, and since they don't, I say you have to look sure. at the, the new current Mazda 3. Load it up. It's well in your price range. You can get it in, in the 6-speed now, thankfully, with the larger engine. That is going to be underpowered for your recommendation, but it I checks like every other box at the Mazda 3. And then if you want to go powerful, I say used Mazda Speed 3 is a surprisingly good car. You know, every time I'm in that Mazda Speed, I've remarked how roomy it feels, even in the oh, back yeah. seat. I mean, Todd and yeah, I are yeah, tall. Yeah. We're six foot three, and... Uh, yeah, I, I'm in the back seat and, you know, fold uh, one of the rear seats down, plenty of space, and even though it's not all-wheel drive, it's front-wheel drive, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. again, yeah, yeah, back yeah. to tires, it should be fine in the winter, and uh, also does meet uh, your requirements that it's not a French car, so there you go. Yeah, um, exactly. I actually think that, I mean, it, it's a that's a wild card. It's a little bit off-kilter of some of the other things you've thought about. It's interesting, though. But I think it's, it's worth going and driving because there's, that's a, the thing about that car is it does that blending of being a genuine performance car, but unlike the traditional STIs, Evos of the world, it actually feels pretty nice inside. Roomy, interior feels decent. It uh, is. That's the place where, it it, where it's, it's surprising, I think. So definitely put that on your list. And Mike, we should got, move uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap it up. I was just going to say, Mike, it's, it's bigger than that Fiesta ST that you mentioned. The Fiesta yeah. ST is cool and fun, but yeah, it is too small. So yeah, go, you made a. Com- I, I, I wasn't surprised. You made a comment where you said you drove the Fiesta ST and it's too small. Based on everything you're listing, I'm not surprised. Obviously, we like the ST. <laughs> it is a small yeah. car. There is no way around it. It is a very small car. So stepping up into the Mazda Speed Threes of the world is bigger. Of course, I could put you in Focus ST as well. I just don't think personally the Focus ST has as much personality as the Speed Three, but that's kind of my personal opinion. 
Mike, clearly we could keep talking about this. Obviously, we love talking clearly, about cars. Yes. We can keep going, we but never we have anything will to wrap say. up at this point and say that we are here for video. So please watch our videos. If you're listening yes. to this podcast and you're just discovering us, we do videos. That's really what we're known for. And based on all the cars that we've driven, we've got a great catalog of, of uh, cars all shot in HD. And what we do is review cars against each other. And so we're getting right out of one car into another and comparing that seat feel and then mm -hmm. telling you about mm -hmm. them here on this podcast. So watch those videos. You can find us on youtube.com slash everyday driver, facebook.com everyday driver and Twitter. So look for those and where uh, you're going. It is slash everyday driver. Yep. You can find it there. Please be rating and reviewing the podcast. Just write a little review. Give us a few sentences. All of that engagement helps this podcast grow. And as the podcast grows, I know this sounds circuitous, but that will allow us to do more videos. Yeah. So yep. ultimately we're wanting to do more films. Speaking of films, we, we are, the teaser is out now. We're recording this actually the same day that our first teaser came out for this yeah, year's film. This is Mid, cool. mid engines and mountains we're excited about this is the Alpha 4C the standard Cayman and the Lotus Elise it'll probably be about an hour long piece that'll be available as download streaming rental and on Blu-ray that'll be available in December we've got funny stories coming up about that shoot and much more about the film as it's coming up so be thinking about that hey Christmas gift idea I'm just going to put that out that's there that's a great uh, idea so I like that plug that Love film it. is coming and I'm excited to share it with you we keep kind of laughing about little moments in it as we're putting it together we can't wait to share more of it thank you guys for listening yet fun. again to the car debate yes thank you so much looking forward to talking to you next week thanks again mm -hmm.